you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Bill Recording Podcast, episode 107. What's up, Neil? What's up, buddy? How are you today? I'm good, except for all this rain, man. I feel like we're <laughs> going to float away. Yeah, it's a, good day. it's a good day not to be outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another, another great guest. Oh, yeah. We're uh, going remote to England today and speaking with Liz Campbell. Welcome, Liz. Hi, guys. It's just as bad weather here, actually. We've had loads of rain the past few days. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. right? Isn't there some type of a big storm over there right now? Yeah, I think we've had two back-to-back since Friday. Oh, fun. Yeah, fun. joys. <laughs> <laughs> My backyard is a swamp right now. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Lies, you're from Yorkshire, England. Is that what I understand? Yeah, yeah, up in the north. Well, we are in Kentucky. Yeah, Louisville, Kentucky, man. You got to say Louisville because Louisville, you know, you, Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> there's only a couple good spots here. <laughs> have you been to the United States? I have. Yeah, I went to New York a few years ago. If you uh, paid attention, she's got a song called "What New York Has a Piece of My Heart." It's our stole a piece the, of my heart. Yeah, the, the man's done his research. I've done my research, <laughs> man. Yeah, I feel like a beard reprimanded. <laughs> well, it could have been one of those songs. You maybe she watched a movie. You don't know. It's still a good question. <laughs> so, what do you have for us there, Neil? Well, we got the winner, winner, chicken dinner, man. Yeah. So uh, we went to recognize that bottle. Yeah, we went to the show the other night. So, uh, Liz, we had. Um, I guess it's been, what, three weeks to a month, maybe a little bit more than a month ago, we had some pretty bad tornadoes just south of us and uh, a little west as well. So there, we went to a benefit show with a, actually a bunch of guests that we've had on the show through uh, a show together and for support of actually just one lady. It was pretty sweet. You know, a lot of people have raised relief for the masses. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of dedicated towards one lady who was a little bit older and had lost everything and had nobody. So, uh, as part of the show, there was a raffle, and we got some. We won some rabbit hole bourbon, man. And somehow, your wife I won swear. two prizes, <laughs> not it. just one. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a great <laughs> night. <laughs> so we're having a rabbit hole. But, there was a guy who won four in a row. That's right. Stone. I don't know who Stone is, but he won four in a row. It was amazing. Yeah. I think it was rigged. Set up. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have in lies? Um, I've got something that uh, one of my fans gave me for Christmas, actually, which I've only just opened tonight. Um, let's see what it's called now. 
Bullet It Bourbon. Bullet yeah. Bourbon. Okay. okay. All right. Bullet Bourbon's actually made right here, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right in, well, in that's, Louisville. That's why I picked it, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? Quite, yeah, I've got quite a lot on my shelf and I thought, oh, what should I have tonight? And then I looked at the label. I was like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the oh, one. yeah. Perfect. Perfect, well, perfect cheers. choice. Yeah, cheers. cheers, Lars. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, cheers. I've got a bit of a bad throat today, so hopefully this will uh, this will cure it. <laughs> yeah, you sound I hope great. So. Bourbon cures everything. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's smooth. I'm telling you, man. What is that? Derringer? Derringer. Is that what it says? Rab- Derringer rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, okay. it's got a... 25 best bourbons of the 21st century. So, Lies, that's one thing you'll learn about bourbon is everybody's a winner of something. There's always <laughs> something. They, they'll make up something just to put it on the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best and the oldest. Yeah, no doubt. So, this is, uh, I, I saw this is finished in sherry cask. Yeah. So, this is, uh, you know, one of those uh, finished bourbons. You could tell. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I made it. It was accidentally, it's... Uh, 1 p.m. over here, and I actually accidentally poured like a little drink. It was way too much for you know 1 p.m. because we we did, we shut down about 9:30 here last night. So man, <sighs> you know when we when we have you guys on across the pond, everybody seems to use the 24 hour time. You know, oh like, yeah, you know 17:30 or 8 1800. And that like throws me. Like, I, I messed <laughs> I messed up again. You know, with with somebody in the podcast, I couldn't convert. 2.30 to the 24 hours. I, I don't know. God, I so. didn't even realize that. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you just, I guess you just say PM. Yeah. 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 Like it's 1 PM well, right he, now. He tried to do the math and was like, all right, GST, PM, five hours, <laughs> two and seven. Yeah, but 14. Well, I went two. <laughs> so here's what I did. I went 2.30 and I added five hours and thought, okay, 7.30. <laughs> but then I added that to 10 and I said 17.30 instead of 12. Uh, instead of 12. So, hey, man. And lies, believe it or not, I was a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not I, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Don't you know, use or yeah, don't lose it and use it. Or how's it go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but you need to use that saying some more so you can, you know, use it. So you're never too late to keep learning. So now we know 2.30. It's 1930. There we go. Yeah. Always learning. <laughs> so we'll get it right next time. Well, Liz, why don't you start us off? Why don't you go back to childhood and share your early memories of music? And uh, then where, you know, at what point did you realize music was going to be a huge part of your life? Um. Well, from a young age, my parents, you know, you're taking me to concerts, mainly like arena stuff. So we were, uh, my earliest memories is like being four years old and we went to see Billy Joel who's an absolute legend I still oh, love wow. it's not rock but it's like I love uh, you know Piano Man's one of my favourite songs still to this day oh, um, yeah. so we saw him and a few others and we used to go to loads of like musical theatre shows and I really was interested in the orchestra pit you know when you walk into a theatre and you hear them warming up oh, um, yeah. it, I was just like whoa what is this so as a kid I always wanted to play flute so I started doing that about eight a flute. Um, a flute, yeah, which is not rock and roll at all, obviously. No. Yeah, which is um, fun because the drummer we had in here last night now hold on. started flute playing can, the flute. Flute can be rock and roll. Oh, yeah, I guess it can be <laughs> yeah. rock and roll. We have seen it be rock and roll uh, yeah, in like this room. Jethro Tull. <laughs> <laughs> all, the best, all the best rock stars play flute. <laughs> <laughs> so how old were you, you when you started with the flute? 
around about eight. Okay. And then, you know, as I got into my teenage years, I started listening to more, you know, grunge and rock like Nirvana, Soundgarden. And um, I'd always been a fan of Guns N' Roses, right from mm. like being a tiny, you know, maybe three or four, listening to it in my dad's car. Appetite and, for um, Destruction, classic. One of the best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every track on that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so basically I wanted to play what I was listening to. Um, so I switched over to guitar at about 11. And uh, I don't know, I just got an urge to be in my own band when I hit about 13, 14. I, I was like trying to force my mates who couldn't play you know, drums or whatever. I was like, if you just do this beat, I'm just going to do this over the top of it. And they probably hated me at the time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was desperate to be in a band. So I've always just had an urge to, to create loud huh. music, I guess. <laughs> you take up guitar at 11. How did that, uh, had you, because of the flute, kind of gained an ear, uh, ear trained enough to where when you transitioned, because, you know, transitioning to strings from a woodwind is not, it's not a. T- it's not maybe typical, but it's also doesn't seem to be the easiest transition. Um, did did one help the other in any way? Um, you're right. I mean, the flute does transfer better over to singing because a lot of um, flute players are quite you know good singers because of the breathing technique. But mm-hmm. yeah, guitar had nothing to do with it other than like obviously learning how to read music and and learning how to keep time and rhythm. It was like totally starting again, you know, finding all the notes and such. Mm. I guess the excitement level that you had to tra- to play guitar helped the frustration factor because I'd imagine there's some type of frustration factor in starting from scratch again. Yeah, I can't really remember it, but um, I guess, you know, like I, Come As You Are was probably my first, one of my first songs and I was like, oh, it really doesn't sound like the thing because I'm playing it so <laughs> slow, you know. So, <laughs> But yeah, I guess that's the only frustration. And and I find that when I'm teaching, you know, my students these days that, you know, everybody just wants to go fast immediately and you can't, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know what? Come, you know, you, you bring up Come As You Are and we've talked about, especially recently, how much yeah, of... Yeah, uh, it's come up a lot. When Nirvana was such a, a great, easy way to be able to come into playing guitar and, you know, bar chords is a little bit easier than the other stuff. So you can kind of hear things quicker and it helps you transition, I guess, to, you know, hear and then play those things. It's kind of like Metallica was back in the day. Everybody knows how to play, you know, three or four Metallica songs as soon as, like you said, really slowly, (laughs) but you can hear that it's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just so repetitive, isn't it? And it's funny you should say that. I'm reading Dave Grohl's book at the minute. Oh, cool. Storyteller. Yeah. Right on. So did you start taking lessons on the guitar at 11 or did you teach yourself? How did you go from there? Yeah, I taught myself for the first couple of years and then my music teacher shoved a piece of paper in front of me and it had this massive spiel on about um, there's a classical guitar teacher coming and you should learn this and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, I've done classical when I was playing flute. I don't, that's not what I want to play at all. And she went, trust me, it will be the best thing that you ever do. And I just, well, I want to say thank you if she is listening um, because it is the best thing I've ever done because the technique that you get from classical guitar, I mean, I studied it right all the way to grade eight. Do you know what I mean? So I've I've dug into every nook and cranny. So I, I, people sometimes say, oh, how do you get that stretch? Like you play guitar like a man. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've studied classical and like I've had to stretch. So it's all about, you know, just 
I think it's the best way to do it is just learn everything and then mm. you can take bits from that. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Your palate, your palate isn't um, compromised in any way. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Uh, a, a friend of ours, Brent, our friend Brent, has rec- we've had conversations kind of about that lately, you know, and it was mostly vocally um, about stretching your range and really trying to hit notes that you know you can't hit, learning technique, doing the things that actually make you get better. But then once you can hit that, bring it back to where you were. Bring, you know, take it back to the simple stuff and the basics. Because with classical, I mean, that stuff is is so technically uh, demanding. And so once you go from that and kind of transition back into playing rock guitar, that has to be almost relaxing for you compared to what you were doing with a, a classical instruction. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of the time, I mean, when people always say, keep it simple, keep it catchy. And most of the time, to be honest, when I'm playing, I am a little bit bored because I know that I can do more. <laughs> uh, but to keep it, you know, catchy and such. I mean, I do like ripping the solos and that's my little moment to have a bit of a crazy time. But, <laughs> you know, to keep it nice and catchy and riffy, it's got that, you know, like Bad Girl, for example, that you play later on. Mm-hmm. It's really like... So it's just a couple of notes that's really you know, simple, but I mean, anybody could play that. So, but I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but not everyone Nobody can play, could the play it like you. <laughs> not everyone has a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't say that. You hurt people's feelings like me. <laughs> like, I can't play that. That's <laughs> so, anyone you know, can you... play that. Why can't I play that? <laughs> well, it's uh, interesting that you say that, that, it, that you try to write stuff that that's catchy because when I walked in and I sat down, that was, after really digging in and listening, everything is catchy, but that's not the first thing I thought. And his first thing when I sat down was, "It's re- this is I could hear all this on the radio. It's all catchy. It's like got that yeah. pop, poppy undertone. I mean, there's, there is that catchiness in the writing and it's sneaky if you don't pay attention to it, yeah, if that makes good. sense. Which, yeah, which, I mean, to be honest with you, when we say it's easy... I mean, some of the layers, the guitar layers that we put on that track were insane. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got uh, behind-the-scenes footage of me playing, you know, because I've laid it up with some complex parts just to boost it a little bit. And some of the things that, you know, I've done, my producer were just like, you couldn't have done that two years ago. It's like, you've mm-hmm. come on so much. Like, I'm always improving. Even though I've got that grade 8 classical, I'm, I am improving as a rock guitarist, you know what I mean? Because it is different. Um and when you write your own songs, it's different. So, you, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm glad you said, I'm glad you think it's nice and catchy anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I keep talking, but I can't help it. I just got done listening <laughs> to all this stuff. But the big thing that you, you talk about is still getting better and still improving. And the thing that I've heard from the, the uh, 2015 Behind Closed Doors until... Uh, the bad girl that was released yesterday is a tremendous evolution um, Thank you. In, in in writing in the approach to I think the way that you were recording and what you were looking for in the sound I mean it's just it's a gigantic evolution man it, it's it especially your first you know record or two starts very acoustic which maybe that's still part of the classical training and you're still digging <clears throat> digging into that but it was interesting to kind of go back and start there and then listen to where everything went. And then even the the revisitation of evil, 
You know, you had it on the first record yeah, yeah. and then you you revisit it with the band later. So when, as you're evolving and just taking like Evil, for example, when you tracked that, was that what it, you heard when you wrote it or did that evolve as well? Because it's it's got the same kind of feel on the first record if you listen to the band version first and then go back and listen to it. Because mm-hmm. I had to kind of do that. I was like, let me listen to that again. To see, so, yeah. yeah. So um, when you when you wrote that, did you hear the band? Did you hear what was the final product? Well, it's tricky to say because I mean I was still in school when I, I brought that EP out. Do you know what I mean? I was probably fifteen years old, something ridiculous. Hey, yeah, we, we hit it right about. on the head. We said fifteen. We were going to ask how long yeah. you've been performing publicly <laughs> because we said she looks like she's about fifteen years old in that picture. We nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, I mean, so to be honest, as a 15-year-old, did, did I expect what I'd sound like now? No, probably not. But did I dream I'd sound like that? Yes. Mm. You know, if my 15-year-old self heard Bad Girl, they'd be like, whoa, I love that, you know. <laughs> but, and and sometimes I've got to really cast my mind back because I'm a perfectionist and I always, I'm thinking five years ahead, like, I need to be better and blah, blah, blah. But I need to backtrack and think, if past me listened to this, I'd be so proud and I need to just channel into that a bit more and, and not beat myself up as much. Um, but saying that, I always did want a band. So when I wrote the original songs, I always wanted to be in a rock band. So I wrote the songs and I thought, well, I'm just really waiting to find the right people, you know, to put in into a band, really. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 15, I mean, who who do you know? Some guy that plays timpani in the school orchestra you know he's not going to bash it out is it so (laughs) and I'm sure I'm sure at 15 uh, in any type of local scene if it's not a band or a classmate or bandmate it's it's kind of hard to get taken seriously you know you're not going to have a 30 year old bass player that's been touring uh, until they hear you and see you and, and experience what you're doing take you seriously at all do you know what? That is really, really funny that you've just said that because, <laughs> I mean, where I'm from is quite a small city. So Wakefield is, you know, ne- right next door to Leeds. And then people think, where's Leeds? It's near Manchester, if we must say that. But, um, you know, it's, we're tiny and, you know, there's not a lot of people here that, you know, there's not a very big scene, for example. But when I did start playing gigs and that, my uh, one of my very first drummers and bass players, you know, were both in the 30s. So we had, you know, a massive age gap. But they were like, oh, my God, I'm, you know, so enthusiastic about the band. And, they, you know, they had so much experience between them that they could pass on to me, obviously. And so, yeah, it's funny you bring that up, actually. You know, 30-year-old. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was felt, it felt good for me because, obviously, it was like, oh, I'm just a kid, but they're you know, liking what I do. So, you know, it worked. Yeah, that had to be a tremendous boost of confidence. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Are any of those was... bandmates still with you? <laughs> no, no, I wore them out, unfortunately. You know, all... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, because of the age gap, you know, they said the turn around, they did about four or five years, both of them. And, you know, I thank them greatly for it. We were out, you know, three, four times a week and, the effort those lads put in was unbelievable. So, if, you know, if they ever do listen to this, thank you guys. Um, Eddie and Joe, just to name them. But, um, yeah, basically, we, we're still friends. We still go for a beer and we went for a curry before Christmas. But, um, no, they settled down now. They've both got, like, um, you know, 
family cars, they're uh, <laughs> settling down and I'm I'm still uh, I'm still running wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's play a song. Let's listen right. to uh tell us about what are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? Right, okay. So we've we we recorded this um during lockdown. So it was over here you could go to the studio because it was classed as work, but it kind of felt a little bit naughty still. <laughs> uh, so you know we sneaked off and all, all the locals like where we record it's really remote so all the locals were looking at us like who are these non-village people here um, <laughs> but, I think uh, they're called the super spreaders who are these super spreaders at that <laughs> point in time <laughs> yeah but yeah basically I mean what you're doing it for is is all about you know I had a before COVID and everything I had a bit of a period of time where you know I've been slogging my guts out basically for about five six years and I I thought to myself god I'm getting frustrated with this and you know the music scene's not an easy scene to be in everybody knows that full credit to them you know for what you're doing but um I'm sure everybody thinks what am I doing for you know sometimes you come away and you think god's sake what am I doing it for and this is it you know when the spotlight's hit the floor you get that buzz and you know you see people singing your songs and that's that's what you do it for basically yep All right, let's give it a listen. It completely makes sense too. So, I guess once you you released that song, I think what was that about this time last year, right? February twenty twenty one. Is that right? Does that sound right? Yeah. Do you know what it, it was? It's yeah. It was its birthday two days ago. Yeah, February nineteenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah. I guess you probably gained even more perspective on after writing that because. You know, when you couldn't do anything, you know, you talk about working your working your butt off for a few years and really putting in the work and, you know, the three and four nights a week. And then all of a sudden that goes away and you have a song like that. Did, does that time gap kind of answer your question or did you answer it in the song anyway? I like that question. Um, I think, yeah, it, it took the time because obviously at the first, I mean, I personally thought, oh, 
this is going to be two weeks, you know, we're back to normal. A couple of gigs <laughs> yeah. cancelled, that's it. But, I mean, Jesus, to have a year off or something. Well, I mean, we had six months off and then we could, you know, play outdoor gigs again. So we had like six months off, play a few outdoor festivals and then another six months off. But, yeah, to be honest with you, uh, it did answer my question because when I first got back out last July and we literally were constant from July to December, I was like, right, yeah, I feel like myself again. And people even commented at gigs that had seen me before COVID that were like, oh, you look miserable on stage. And, I, and then after COVID, they were like, wow, like you look like a new person. So, yeah, I'm grateful for the time, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, it was a good slap in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it can become such a grind, especially when you were doing it the way you were doing it. Um, you know, constantly, you know, especially once you hit 2019, releasing a bunch of music, which means you're supporting that music, playing out a ton. Um, I think that kind of is has been, I personally think, an underlying tone of the podcast through shutdown. Anybody that was doing it a lot yeah. that got to that point where it was just, they were burnt. Yeah. It was, it was like a shot in the arm. Complete rejuvenation. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think as well for the audiences, because, I mean, over here we've seen, you know, some of the very first gigs back I was, you know, I played London with another band and, you know, people were literally faces stuck to the window thinking, oh my God, <laughs> something's happening inside, like we need to get in. And they couldn't get in because it was sold out, you know. And, they, and that had never happened before COVID. So it was just like, People were much more appreciative. Exactly, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's it's awesome that it's full circle. It goes all the way around because, you know, it sounds like you are, sounds like they are. Um, so, I don't know, it's like a reset, you know? Yeah. Nice. So, Liz, have you been singing since the beginning? Because not only are you a hell of a guitar player, but you're a pretty daggone good vocalist, too. <laughs> no oh, kidding. thank you, guys. You know what? Um, no, I, I never wanted to sing, but... Um, I'm so motivated that I couldn't find anybody else that was as motivated as me. So, you know, I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot, but I, w I won't continue singing. I'll just do it for a bit. And uh, here I am seven years later, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't particularly enjoy singing. It's just what I'm used to now, I guess. Like, I've always just been more into guitar. Um, but you, yeah. and you write all, all the material as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it, how hard would that be to hand off? It's like handing your baby to somebody. Here, raise this kid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Especially exactly that. Exactly. You were, you know, the 15-year-old uh, that wrote Behind Closed Doors, and you wrote that little, uh, I'd call it an acoustic album. Yeah. And a part of that evolution is the rawness of that um, into where you are with Bad Girl the strength of your voice has definitely changed. And, and I don't know if it's maybe because you came to the realization that these are my songs, I'm singing them, uh, I'm going to go for it. I don't know what it is, but you can definitely throughout the years hear, and maybe it's just age, you know, growing into your voice. Like the the, the vocals on Bad Girl are awesome. Thank like you. awesome. And the you know, last song as well, but just mm -hmm. to hear that transition and he'll hear you continue to build and build and get better and write more in-depth and detailed songs. It's a, I just love the fact that the growth is, is very visible. Yeah. Yeah. That means a lot. That really does mean a lot. That. When did you start writing? 
well, behind closed doors was pretty much around that time. So probably mm. around 14, 15, yeah, 14, 15 years old, I guess. Even in the the uh, guitar playing stuff on it, it's real simple and easy to digest. And I think for any songwriter, especially at that age, uh, to have the you know guts to to put anything out and to have it be that good and well received, it just says a lot. It says a whole lot. And the, you know, a lot of people once they get there, hey, this is my release. This is what people expect me to be. Don't continue to grow. It kind of just there's my lane. Um, I'm a you know singer songwriter now. The I think the fact that the whole time you had that in mind, you had this band in mind. Which, by the way, it's are you you're a three piece band, right? Yeah, I can't really say much about that now, but we've got a little announcement coming up in a few weeks. And well, don't um, say nothing. Uh-oh. We might we might be, <laughs> we might be sprouting another head. <laughs> hey, hey! You can tell us. We won't tell anybody. Well, that's a continued evolution too. You know, I mean that that yeah, that just yeah. shows that. That you're not scared to evolve, you're not scared to change, you're not scared to add on to make what you hear when you write a song or perform real. Well, the thing is, like Behind Closed Doors, there was no other guitar on that. I'm thinking there was mm-hmm. a tiny bit of lead on it maybe, but not enough to have another guitarist full time. Mm-hmm. But the the songs now are so laid up in the studio that I come away and I'm like, oh my God, like, this would sound amazing live if we had another guitarist. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it just so happens that I'll oh, go on, I'll, I'll give you a little sneaky peek. So, basically, <laughs> you know, basically, as we played London just before Christmas, and um, I saw this lass and she jumped on the bar with a guitar, wireless, like kicked all the drinks over. And just started playing this solo on top of on top of the bar. I, I like, like her already. Oh my lord, I need her in the band. <laughs> And, you know, and it just so happens that she came up to me after the gig and was like, oh, I loved your set. Like, uh, I've got so much respect for you. I was like, well, do you know what? Get in this band because, like, it's obviously <laughs> mutual respect. And you know what I mean? So, it's oh, oh, cool. That's the perfect yeah. way to make it work, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Oh, man. So, in 2015, uh, you know, before Behind Closed Doors, were you performing a lot at that age? In public, or did you get into recording first, or what? How did that kind of unroll? God, you know what? I can't even remember. Um, from from my memory, I think what happened was I played a local festival, and then they emailed me and they said, "Oh, we've got some funding left over. Uh, would you like to use it to record?" And I said, "Well, oh wow, yeah, of course. You know, fifteen, <laughs> you don't have um, two pennies to rub together or whatever you say, but." Um, so I, I took the recording time and then, you know, my mum said to me, well, what are you going to do with these recordings? Are you going to, are you going to release them? And then we said, you know what, let's put them out on a CD. And and then from that, people were buying the CDs and I got more gigs off the back of just the one song behind closed doors. I got so many gigs off that, it was untrue. Um, so then people were saying, when are you going to write your next EP? So I put out a following EP, obviously Lady Brilliant. Um, and it's it's just grown like all you know all I could ever wish for is that it's grown with every release. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's listen to another one. All right, let's you do it. To? Yeah, let's uh, let's Thank listen to so them. much good stuff to hear. Let's hear something <laughs> about backbiting the bullet. Tell us about that one. Okay. Um, so this was my 
first heartbreak, um, I was probably about 18. And uh, another guy in a band, believe it or not. And, I believe uh, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your band? band. <laughs> no, yeah. not my band. No, you no, can't no. cross that. You can't do that. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's uh, it's been crossed, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this now, you know, I totally fell head over heels for this guy, and um, he did a one on me. So this was uh, this was a little baby that came out of that situation. Hey, you got okay. something out of the relationship after all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's check it out. Every shiver, every shake Every face that I've replaced Every momentary I close I see your smile Every sound, every noise Every feeling I destroy Every momentary I close I hear your voice Every cradle, every crib Every scenario I've lived Every momentary I close I see your eyes Electric skies I'm back biting the bubble And I'm back biting the bubble And I'm back biting the bubble And I feel through my heart And I'm back biting the bubble And I'm back biting the bubble And I'm back biting the bubble And I feel through my heart Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so I got a question. Uh, so, from the lady, all right, how you gonna how do you say this? Barium? <laughs> beryllium. Ba- ba- beryllium. Thank you, periodic lady, table. <laughs> beryllium, <laughs> lady, beryllium. All right, so from that record to backbiting the bullet, there was a a pretty decent gap, but there was also a huge growth in the band, putting the band together. I think and. Um, getting to the sound that led to backbiting the bullet. What was going, was that just a, uh, a time period from 2016 to 2019 of playing, getting better, life experiences? Like you said, you had that relationship. Um, was that just all of that entangled in that few years that led to that record? Um, probably. I mean, there was an album that came out in 2017, so that was the year oh, yeah, after yeah, yeah, Blade yeah. Brilliant, yeah. That's right. I know, I know you've done your Green research. Eyes. It's all Green right. Eyes. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even so, you know, the production quality on that was pretty similar to Lady Brilliant and Behind Closed Doors. Yes. And that, that's because it was the same producer. And also, I was still in my teens for the whole of those first three <laughs> releases. Um, okay. So even 2017 to 2019 is, you know, two years. So, yeah, I mean, massive growth. You come out of your teens. Um, Also, I changed producer. So I started working with Tom Gittins, who has done the past um, three releases. So Backbiting the Bullet, 
uh, What You're Doing It For and Bad Girl. Um, so he is just a phenomenal producer. He brings things out of me that I don't even know that I've got. Do you know what I mean? I was going to ask that. Does he yeah. push you to do stuff that you're like, holy shit, man, what happened? <laughs> yeah, totally. And and something about that guy, which has taken a bit of getting used to, is he totally sort of, in the nicest possible way, he strips you apart and he, you know, he tells you it's straight. And you bring a song to him and he says, you know, this could be better and that could be better. And, you know, full credit to him for, you know, boosting, you know, whatever was was there. And now when I write, I totally have Tom in my head saying that could be like this and this could be like that. And, you know, every time I go into the studio now, I'm getting better because of him. And, mm. you know, uh, I love working with Tom. He's, he's brilliant and obviously... Um, he brings some sort of beefiness to the, to the song that, you know, I don't, I don't really want to work with anybody else. That's where he's got me to the point, you know. Beefiness is a great word for what what it is now. Because it's so, like you said, that there is a difference in the production. There's a, a difference in, there's a, there's a quality difference in the sound. I mean, it just sounds, it, there is it like a angsty attack I mean you're almost getting attacked with the guitars at some point it's like oh shit. you know it's, it, it, it's yeah. which as a rock uh, lover that's what you want you want to kind of be hit in the face yeah. uh, to kind of feel that um, from 19 to 22 you've been working with him and you can really tell the growth in not only the vocals and the, the production and the guitar playing and you talk about kind of having him in your brain has the process from walking in the door the first day to meet him to now, is the comfort level just ridiculous to where when you walk in, it's the conversation, the flow, the feel. Are you just comfortable in that setting now, which probably leads to the better production of stuff? Yeah, totally. Like for the first time that I worked with him, I was I was well out of my depth. I'm not, I'm not um, you know, ashamed of saying that. I was, you know, barely like 19, 20 and I was thrown into, you know, a really professional studio and I, I was way out of my depth, you know. So yeah. came out of there thinking, oh my God, how are we going to do this live? And I've had to really pull it out of the bag and, you know, obviously I've changed band members and, and you know, the, the players that I've got now are unbelievable and they push me, do you know what I mean? So, um, but also, yeah, every time I have worked with him, like for, for example, Bad Girl, I mean, you know, with with a song title like that, you open up doors that, you know, <laughs> innuendos were flying the whole three days we were there. So, yes, we're, we're very, very comfortable with each other now. But, um, you know, and I, I've grown, you can see I've grown as a person and, you know, I'm, I'm becoming sort of like a woman in the scene now rather than a kid. Um, so it's really nice to go back and, and say, oh, Tom, since the last time we were here, we've done this and, and, you know, he can see where we want to go and stuff. And, and he's been in bands himself, you know, he's been over to America and he knows the scar, do you know what I mean? So he's just, yeah, really, a really good guy to have in your corner. That's what I'd say. Something to be said about a trust level like that too. If he says Definitely, something yeah. you Definitely. trust, his opinion's going to make your work better. Yeah, I mean, don't worry oh, about yeah. it. We've had we've had those little disagreements to the point where <laughs> the other band members have left and walked around the nearest reservoir because we've all argued about <laughs> lyrics for an hour. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so who are the who are the members in your band now? So I, I've got Tom Kirby on the drums, who's uh, only a young lad himself. He's uh, in fact younger than me. So uh, 
full credit to him. He's got a he's got a full beard. Hey, <laughs> even yeah. this part right here, even this part between the mustache and the bottom. Oh he yeah, even got that. He's no got kidding. The, he has got the full wow. job lot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and li- literally, he plays drums like a bleeding octopus. Do you know what I mean? And, and he's a great laugh uh-huh. as well. Um, and then we've got new addition to the band, which is uh, Steve Pickles. Um, which is, you know, he's been really the the missing jigsaw piece because between the three of us now, I mean, we all have very similar style and personality-wise, we're very, very similar. Like, if you ever see any of the promo shots, um, I've always said, you know, the lads that I've got now are so stylish as well as, you know, being on, on the same wavelength playing-wise. They're so stylish, you know. So I love it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they look rock and roll. They do look rock and roll. And do, do you know what? It's, it is like a family and you've got to be close because, you know, they're the ones that are shoving the in-ears up my back and, you know, whatever else just before we go on stage. So, you you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, band members, family members, that's what they are. No offense to their original members, but to have somebody that's your age that can relate to you a little bit more um, has to help, especially with the drummer being the young yeah, guy totally, in the group yeah. now. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, I mean, like, they say that the drummer's the heartbeat of the band. You need a lot of energy, especially for these new songs. Uh, oh, yeah. Even 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 Tom saying, "God, I'm knackered," you know. <laughs> 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 it's one of them things. So, last for our listeners that that want to become fans or or maybe haven't heard your music to this point, but where can they find you? Where they find you on the socials? Find your music? Those things. Uh, so we're literally everywhere: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You just search Los Campbell. Uh, but if you go to the website www.loscampbellmusic.co.uk you'll find uh, all the gigs coming up and all the merchandise and such like that. You also have, I can imagine, uh, with Bad Girl coming out, some stuff coming up as far as new, uh, more releases and things like that. Do you have those lined out? Uh, more releases, potentially. Um, I'm just focusing on the single at the minute. But yeah, we've definitely got other material in the bag. Um, But obviously, you know. Any plans to come to the States? Oh, we would absolutely love to. And it's it's a question that keeps cropping up. Um, So I think we we need to look at that seriously, I think. Absolutely. There's plenty of places to play. Definitely let us know if you get anywhere close to Kentucky. Hey, and... uh, I actually do have one more question about uh, considering we're talking about live music. Just kind of for you uh, and and adding possibility of adding another piece. What does that do for you as far as freedom as a guitar player? Uh, well, at the minute, I'm I'm carrying the whole, you know, lead and rhythm section. So it, it opens up to me to let loose a little bit more potentially um, and not have the full pressure of keeping, you know, the drive of the band going because uh, obviously I'm the front woman so I'm the everyone's eyes are obviously on me so I can give a little bit more showmanship as well uh, but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what Alice has got to bring to the table I'm wondering yeah I, I bet Alice that, now, uh, oh yeah I guess we just we get a little more a little more of an Alice hey Alice welcome to the band <laughs> so yeah I could just imagine the, not having you'll be able to relax again the, when you're when you're in a three piece and I uh, that's a lot of pressure I played in three pieces before and it's entire it's all the pressure yeah. so to kind of be able to relax focus on 
you know, the vocal line and the melody, to focus on those little things and then be able to just go nuts on the side when you actually get your time to play. It's, yeah. I could imagine just like a, a sigh of relief at some point for you. You'll have more space to jump up on the bar and kick over glasses yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, if, she do, if she doesn't beat me to it, obviously. <laughs> hey, man, the bar's big enough for both of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate you visiting with us for yeah. the last 45 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, thank you, Laz. No, thank you so much, guys. We're going to go out with Bad Girl. Tell us about that one, the new single. Okay. Um. So Bad Girl is, well, basically after the lockdown, you know, my relationship ended. It was quite a long relationship. And uh, I got used to being back on the dating scene again. But obviously I've grown as a musician and Loz Campbell is definitely seen as like the guitar slinging, fishnet wearing, you know, (laughs) motorbike riding woman now. So, um (laughs) You know, it attracts quite a bit of attention, does the alter ego. Um, But I don't think people sometimes realize that that's probably not what I'm like all of the time. You know, sometimes I like to eat pizza in my trackies. Um, That would would be exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty pretty exhausting role. But um, yeah, so Bad Girl is all about, you know, I'm a bad girl. You think I know what you like. So they they presume you're going to be a certain way, but are you like that? Maybe sometimes, you know, not all the time. So it's uh, sometimes it's nice playing the bad girl role, but, you know, like I say, there's there's other layers to me that people might not know about. Well, you did look quite comfortable rolling in at the beginning of that <laughs> video on that big bike. <laughs> is that yours? Is that your is body, my, motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is my, and I'll tell you something now, that's the first time I've ever ridden that bike in heels. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was it interesting? <laughs> it was very interesting. I didn't know whether I was going to be able to stop that machine or not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a good thing there's editing in videos, you know, so we'll never know. Maybe you did fall. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks again, Lies. Yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you so it's much. It's been awesome.